So as I said, we're starting a brand new series this morning, and to, today we're calling it Heart's Desire. And the basis of this series is simply this, that we pursue what our heart desires inside of us. We pursue that. So the reality is sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad, but the, here's a tagline for this particular series, what you seek, you'll find. So when I go after good things, I'm gonna find them. When I go after bad things, I'm gonna probably find those as well. So here's the reality. We're gonna look at some things today that I think will make a difference in your walk with God. I think that it will make a difference in how you approach your Christian life. And my prayer is that you engage with me and that you'll engage with God and that when you walk out of here, that you'll have taken one step closer to Jesus in a way that will be really helpful for your life. So with that thought in mind, the question that we're gonna look at today is that what should we pursue out of a pure heart? What is it that we're supposed to be pursuing? So before I get there, let me just start by saying, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say this, but this is gonna be a very practical word-based study. Uh, I'm gonna start it, Shane's gonna do some of it, then I'm gonna come back and do a little bit more of it. And uh, I am excited about what we have to deliver for you today and for the next few weeks. And, but what I want you to hear me say is that this is gonna, we're gonna look at the Bible, we're gonna look at some really good things, but none of that is gonna make sense unless you have a personal relationship to Jesus Christ. And I'm just gonna say it's not about church, it's not about coming to church. God bless you for coming out in a snowstorm, we're glad you're here. Uh, but the reality is that doesn't get you to heaven. And that doesn't make your relationship with God what it needs to be. It has to be a heartfelt sense of repentance belief that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and that he came to deliver you from the power of, of power of your sin and that we all come the same way. What brings us to the table is our brokenness. So what makes me a believer is the fact that I came broken before God, understanding that there's no other way that I could be saved outside of Christ himself. And if that has not been your experience, if you're just kind of turning over a new leaf, if you're just kind of coming to church, if I'm just going to say all those things are great, they're good, I'm glad you're here, but being a Christian means that you have entered a life of brokenness with Jesus and you've acknowledged your sin and that he has delivered you from the power of sin and translated you into his dear kingdom. That's what me, a Christian, is all about. And nothing I'm going to say today is going to make any sense unless that's true of your life. So today, before the sun goes down, I'm just gonna simply say, if you've never crossed that line of faith, make today the day of your salvation. Today, if you're hearing my word, whether you're online with us or not, if you're hearing my word, please, please, please understand the nature of the gospel and how, how important it is for you and I to respond to that gospel. So. Right now, what we're gonna do is that we're gonna take the next few weeks and we're gonna, we're gonna look at about three subject matters. We're gonna look at today the concept of gratitude and how important gratitude is in our life. And it's not just something we talk about, it's something we practice. Then we're gonna look at unity and we're gonna look at wisdom inside of what scripture has to say. Now these things are essential. These three things that I just mentioned to you are essential to a dynamic, powerful walk with God. And so today, what I'm gonna start with is the concept of gratitude. So if you brought your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there, but it's gonna be on the screen anyway. But in Colossians chapter three, verse number 16, we're gonna look at a very powerful section of scripture. And I wanna start by saying that gratitude is not something that I just enter into, it's a discipline. 
Gratitude is a discipline that I practice every day. So in, in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 16, this is what the Bible says. Let the message about Christ in all its richness, I love that, how that's described there, fill your lives, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with, with thankful hearts. So in this section of scripture, there is such richness here. And it's so good. I want to read this verse to you one more time. And I want you to just soak in what's here. Let the message about Christ in all its richness, its fullness, its power, fill your lives. Teach and counsel. That's you. That's you and I together. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So good, so rich. So the opposite of gratitude is the idea of grumbling or complaining. Think about that. We're good at that, aren't we? Hello out there? By the way, if you're not having fun, I'm going to start over. So, you know, when I say something, you respond. I'm going to know you're having fun. So, so uh, let's just have that as a basic rule here. So we're good at grumbling, right? Amen? Amen. We do it all the time. What are the things that we grumble about? Let me give you a couple things. Well, first of all, we grumble about the weather. How many today got up and looked out the window and said, oh, stink, it's snowing again? Yeah. All right. Come on now, let's be honest. How many, raise your hand really high. You did it, didn't you? And you're thinking, when is spring coming? We live in the land of Narnia. It's never going to happen. You know, you know, we live in this perpetual winter. And, and uh, I, you know, I'm just saying, we grumble. And I was out there 6 o'clock this morning shoveling my driveway, thinking, Lord, is there ever going to be an end to this? Come on. And, of course, he said, Dan, what are you teaching on today? <laughs> Gratitude, Lord, so uh, be thankful. And then we complain about, we grumble about income taxes. We have to pay taxes. And <clears throat> we, got, we, we grumble about politicians, right? Anybody here grumble about politicians? Yeah. And we grumble, about, we grumble about food and, and about other believers that aren't living the perfect life like I'm living it, right? And we grumble about traffic and crowds and Grace's parking lot and, and uh, infl uh, uh, inflation. There's so many things that we grumble about. And the million-dollar question is, how do we sustain a spirit of gratefulness in a really broken world? How do we do that? Because the world that you and I live in is extremely broken. And I'm going to talk today, today about some very painful things in my own life and I'm just going to say to you right up front that I know that many of you today are walking through difficult circumstances in your life, and I hear that, I know that. But in the same time, in the midst of that, in the midst of that pain, you and I are to sustain a spirit of gratitude in our life. And so I want to start with this idea, this thought, is that many of you know that I lost my son about six weeks ago. Tragic painful, most excruciating pain that I've ever been through in my entire life. I'm in excruciating pain. I don't know very many people that have had to stand up and preach their own son's funeral. Extremely painful. I don't think on a one to 10 scale, this was like a 15. I don't know that it gets any worse than that because it's out of order. It's, it's, it's broken. And uh, we could see it coming, but it, it still was like a hurricane. When it happened, it was like a hurricane that would have overwhelmed me outside of some things that I had in my life that I'm going to talk about today that are extremely important for you to put into your life. Because I'm going to tell you, you're not hurricane proof. 
There are hurricanes that come through our life and just wipe us out. And I'm telling you, you've got to be prepared and you've got to understand that. So the question that I want to look at today is how do you maintain gratitude in a very broken world when painful, excruciatingly painful things happen in our lives? So what I had to do in my own personal life is I had to redefine what gratitude meant out of that painful experience. And I'm gonna talk about that a little bit today. So before I get there, let's talk about how important gratitude is in your life. It's not just something we think about at Thanksgiving time, right? Gratitude is something that is essential to your walk with God. And if, you, if you're missing it, I'm just gonna just, just listen to this. In the Old Testament, God destroyed people that were ungrateful. He did. And the reality is, is that gratitude is so crucial to your walk with God, more so than you could ever begin to imagine. The scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So if you want to draw near to God, if you want God to draw near to you, there is one way, there's a road to that. And I'm just saying, yes, it's Jesus, but the reality is after Jesus, it's developing the spirit of gratitude inside of your life because God responds to gratitude. God draws near to the grateful. And so this isn't something you could just walk out of here. My prayer, my prayer here today is that you won't walk out of here going, that was a nice sermon, Pastor Dan. I want you to be, I want you to be cut to the core and understand that without gratitude in your life, you are walking on quicksand. Without gratitude, you're nothing. It's so important for you to understand that. So what is it that it does in our lives? There are several things that gratitude does. First of all, it ushers us into the presence of God. Gratitude ushers us into the presence of God. Psalm 100, verse 4. Listen to these words from the psalmist. He says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to, to him and praise to his name. It is what brings and draws us into the very presence of the living God. And we can't, we can't grow any nearer to God than we are grateful. Gratefulness is huge. And here's what happens is most people, if I were to do a survey, most people would say, I'm pretty grateful. You know, we, you know we, I think I do a pretty good job about being grateful. But the reality is, is that what happens in our life is that there are two sides of our mouth that we talk out of. One is grumbling and one is praise. And James says, these things can't cohabitate together. You cannot have one and the other. They are exclusive. They are, they are not mutual. They cannot live and exist in the same space. So you either have to develop the discipline of gratitude in your life or you have to suffer the consequence of really not having the dynamic presence of God along the way. So I want to read that verse one more time because it's so important. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So, you know, I'm in the process of mentoring Shane. We're in the process of doing a transition of leadership here at Grace. And I'm an old guy and, and I figure it's time, you know, I'm nearly 90 now. And, uh, and I figure it's time for new young leaders to be developed. And so I've been mentoring Shane and he's doing an amazing job, isn't he? He's doing great, amen. And along, along the way, um, I then had the opportunity to stand in the back and you know, I preach about 30% of the time now and he preaches 70% of the time. And I've been standing in the back and watching and here's what I've noticed. I just wanna say this out loud. Smile at me before I say it to you. Because I'm I'm, this is going to be one of those zingers that hits you in the heart. I've noticed, especially some of the men in the audience, I love you guys. I'm one of you. 
We're brothers. But I've noticed oftentimes this posture in worship. You know, where you just, where you just kind of fold your arms and you're, up, you're, you're an observer. You're watching. And I want to say this to you with all the love in my heart, with all the joy in my heart, with all the humility that I can muster up. Listen to me. Psalm 100 says, if you want the presence of God, you cannot come to his courts without praise and gratitude. It's essential to your dynamic daily walk with God. And without it, you just are going through the motions. You're just going through the motions of the Christian life and it will be empty for you and Christianity will become boring and, and oftentimes you'll just quit on it and, uh, because you haven't discovered something that is absolutely essential in your walk with God and that is that gratitude is what pole vaults us into the presence of the living God and that's how we should develop it. We should develop the discipline of it every day. So it ushers, ushers us into the presence of God. Secondly, it causes us to abound in faith. Did you know that? Gratitude causes us to abound in faith. Colossians chapter two, verse seven says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth as you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Thankfulness, gratitude, they're used interchangeably within scripture. And so I'm just simply saying that it causes us to abound in faith. Here's how it works. The more I understand how God works, the more I give him credit for that, the more I praise his name for that, the more I worship him for that, the more I overflow with his presence, the more I overflow with his presence, the more faith that I develop inside of my life. So if, I, am I, if I'm lacking faith, maybe what I have to look at is where my gratitude is. It's, great, it's a great barometer. And that brings us to the third point. It is a, gratitude is a spiritual indicator. If you want to know, am I growing as a Christian? If you want to know that, am I growing as a Christian? Am I, making, am I making progress in the Christian life? That's what you want, right? You want to make progress in the Christian life. You want, to, you want to not be stuck. You want to be able to move closer to Jesus. So a great indicator of that is looking at your own praise life, your own gratitude, and it's going to tell you a myriad things about you. I'm telling you, you, you can count on it showing you, you can count on it showing you whether you are growing as a believer or not. It's so good. And, you know, it's not, it's not brain surgery. It's just simply an indicator of where you are with God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. If you look at our country today, I would say that these words, these words describe where we are as a nation, dark and confused, because even though we know God, we don't give him credit for who he is and what he does. And that starts with a household of faith. That starts with you and I. As you and I learn what it means to walk with God, it, is, it means the world to God, but it means the world to you, that you walk in a spirit of gratitude before his kingdom. Now that brings us back to the question, how do you sustain gratitude? Because I do good for, you know, the first 30 seconds. And then, you know, I fall backwards. Anybody like that? You know, you get up in the morning, you say, I'm going to be grateful all day long. And you're going to go and you're going to give praise to God all day long. And pretty soon by noon, you find yourself grumbling like everybody else is grumbling and, and a bitter spirit and, you know, angry at the world again. And I'm just saying, this is so crucial for our walk with God. So, the answer 
to how do I sustain a grateful relationship is found within the writings of Paul in the book of Romans, chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 28 through 30 and just see what God has to say to us in Romans, chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. And these are three simple truths and three simple applications of truth that will allow us to really sustain gratitude in a broken world. So let me start by saying this, asking this. How many of you are in a difficult space right now where you're going through a time of difficulty in your life? Just raise your hand. It's okay. We're church. We can be truthful. Okay. I can't see you online, but I know you're raising your hands as well. So there's a lot of you out there. I I noticed a lot of hands go up that you're in a difficult space. So how's your gratitude? Right now in your difficult space, how are you doing with the concept of gratitude inside of your life? And I'm going to suggest that most of us start well, finish bad. So what I want to give you today is practical and real and powerful, and it comes right out of the Word of God, and it's how I sustain gratitude in a broken world. So let's go. This is what, this is what it says. Let's start in verse 28, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And by the way, if you brought a physical Bible to church, that's always good to do. You know, I know that we live in a modern age and I know that, you know, I know that, you know, it's easy to get your cell phone out or look on the screen. I know that that's really easy. But, you know, there's something special about underlining a verse of Scripture in your literal Bible and then going back to it and go, oh, and then put a date by it and going, oh, I, I remember that. So let's go with Romans 8, 28. This is what it says. And we know, let's start there, and we know. In other words, Paul is saying we are confident and we know, we know, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So this verse is a verse that a lot of well-meaning Christians throw at people when they're in a bad circumstance and I'm not going to throw it at you. I'm going to spoon feed it to you. So that you can really grab a hold of what's in this verse because what's in this verse is essential for you to know and practice every single day. So this is what it says. And we know, we know, we know that God causes what? What was it? I mean, even the bad stuff, the painful stuff, even the loss of my son. Does that, is that included in that? God causes everything that happens in our life to work out for our good and his glory. So do you believe that? I mean, I know you believe it up here, but do you believe it when you get your legs cut out from underneath you? Do you you believe it when you, you, you can't see up? Do you believe it then? And some of you haven't been tried yet. And so you don't know the answer to that. But what I'm telling you is this, this is so crucial that we have to come to a deep understanding of where gratitude flows from. It's a knowledge that God takes everything in our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything in our life, and he causes it to work according to his glory and our good. Here's the truth in every circumstance, and this is what I am banking on, this is the truth in every circumstance, that God always, always, always has the final word in your life right now. Whatever bad stuff's going on in your life, whether you're online with this, whatever you're going through right now, mark it down, put a date by it, and know this, that God causes everything to work out for your good 
and he has a cause for everything. He has a purpose for everything. And he always, 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 did I say always? Always has the final word in your life because he is God and you are not. He is not fragile and you are. He's not frail. He's not, he's not impotent. He is powerful. He is all-knowing. He, all, he, he knows everything there is, and this is the reality. God always, 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 always has the final word in our lives. Every time. And it may not be realized in this lifetime, but I promise you something. I promise you this. Money-back guarantee that God will always have the final word for you. And that's comforting. That's powerful. That's energizing, and that is, uh, that, that is faith-building inside of my life to know that in every circumstance, God is the final word. So I can look beyond this presence, the present time in my, in my life. I can look into the future, and I can trust that whatever's going on right now, God is in control of. It's not out of his control. Not out of his control. It hasn't caught him by surprise. It's in his control. Therefore, I can cultivate a spirit of gratitude. And I can give him thanks and worship him in the midst of my circumstance, no matter how painful it is. And I speak with authority here. I speak with experience. I'm not coming with you from just book learning. I'm telling you, this is true in my life. And by the way, I might mention this, that as I walked through this difficult circumstance with my son, my wife and I had the peace of God which passes all understanding. And it's because from the very beginning, from day one, we entered into his course with thanksgiving and in his, his presence with just joy in our heart, knowing who he was. And as a result, because I drew near to God through my gratitude, he drew near to me through his peace which passes all understanding. Powerful things. You, you need to know this stuff. This is stuff that you can't live without. That brings us to verse 29. Verse 29 says, For God knew his people in advance. Stop there. Your salvation didn't catch God by surprise. This is what it says. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers, br- brothers and sisters, uh, and so here's the, here's the reality for this verse. I need to explain firstborn for you because this is a really important word. Firstborn doesn't mean first in order. It means first in rank. So Jesus is the most important being. He's the preeminent one. He's the one that is above all names. And so God knew his people in advance. He chose them to become like, him, like his son. And because Jesus is the firstborn among, among many brothers, the reality is, is he's going to complete what he says he's going to complete. Here's what I know. Every surrendered life counts. It does. You surrender your life to God, it counts. And here's what I also know. That it, it brings me great comfort to know that because God chose me, he's going to complete what he's begun in my life. Because he chose me. He's going to complete what he, what he began in my life. So powerful, so good, so amazing. And so every, every surrendered life counts. When you surrender to God and you start developing the spirit of gratitude in your life, the discipline of gratitude, I'm telling you, 
Every surrendered life counts, including yours. There are people watching you. Your life counts. Your life counts. Every surrendered life counts. That brings us to verse 30. And having chosen them, he called them to, be, to come to him. So God chose you. The day of your salvation, the day that you said yes to Jesus was no accident, he called you to that moment in time. He called you to that moment in time. Gave you the faith to believe. That's how dynamic God is. That's how powerful God is. I'm looking at salvation from God's perspective now, not man's, but from God's perspective, he chose you and he called you to come to him and having called them, he gave them the right, he gave them right standing with himself and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Can you believe that? That God has given me his glory. It's a done deal. I get, to, I get the great privilege of sharing God's glory and knowing that I'm sharing God's glory draws me to the spirit of gratitude in a broken world. And this is what I know from this verse. The best is yet to come in your life. The best is yet to come. Maybe not in this life, but this life is like, you know, this microcosm of what you're going to experience for all eternity. And God has called you to his salvation and he's called you to share in his glory. Can you imagine that? That God would share his glory with any man or any woman but God has called you to share his glory. And if that doesn't stir your heart up, I don't know what will. You must be brain dead or you know, whatever. If that doesn't stir your heart up, because, because the reality of this verse is so good that I get, I get to share in the glory of the living God for all eternity. I mean, wrap your mind around that sometime. And what it does is it gives you a sense of confidence for today to know that I'm gonna share his glory. Now, having said that, that's the word of God. I've just shared with you what the word of God says. But the word of God, unless applied, isn't really, isn't really going to have a change in you. So now let's talk about application. So we've talked about gratitude. We've talked about what sustains gratitude. Now let's talk about your response in this process. So there are three things that I would say, three action steps that you need to take starting today, starting today, First one is focus on God and see him clearly. See, when we get into bad circumstances, our vision becomes really blurred as to who God is. So focus on who God is. What should I do in a difficult time? How do I develop gratitude in my life? I focus on God. When I focus on my circumstances, I sink, just like Peter did when he got out of the boat and took his eyes off of Jesus. So you've got to, so you have to focus on God and see him clearly. Make Jesus your most prized possession, in other words. So can I ask you a personal question? I'm going to anyway, so you might as well say yes. You don't have to answer it to me. You will someday have to answer it to God. What is your most prized possession right now? What is your most prized possession? I want to suggest that your most prized possession should be your personal relationship to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is something that nobody can take away from you and it is of great value. You can't even measure it. You can't measure that. Focus on him. Focus on that prized possession. Make Jesus your most prized possession. Now, look at me for just a second. Some of you are looking down right now. 
how are you doing at that? Because my guess, <laughs> my guess is that you have great intention, but sometimes lack of follow through. And that sometimes your retirement pro program is your most prized possession or your car or your house or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your wife or your husband or your children. None of those things are your most prized possession. Those are all temporary things. Everything I just mentioned is temporary. What is not temporary is your relationship to the living God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is not temporary. And it should be your most prized possession. So I want to tell you a true story because I never lie. I don't think to you. I want to tell you a true story. There was a guy, there was a pastor driving down the, the freeway one day and uh, he was following one of those old station wagons. You know, the kind of station wagon that you could put luggage on the top? You know, you know those type of things. The older people are going, yeah, I used to have one of those. <laughs> so just for the younger people in the room, those, those are cars. They used to have places where you could put luggage on the top and they looked like old people's cars because and, and, uh, they were. And, and so... The pastor was driving down the freeway and he noticed that a piece of luggage fell off this guy's car in front. And the guy didn't know it. He just kept on driving. So the pastor pulled over and he found the suitcase, put it in the car. The, guard, the guy's luggage was tagged with his name and address. And so he contacted the guy, you know, the next day and said, hey, you lost some luggage and I found it. What do you want me to do with it? And this is what the guy said. He said, you know what? I don't really want the suitcase back. I don't want the suitcase back. Uh, I just had one prized possession inside that suitcase. It was a $20 gold piece. And if you could just send me the $20 gold piece, I would be a happy camper. Everything would be good. Throw the luggage away. Throw whatever else is in there away. I just want the, that, because my grandfather gave me that one gold, that, that, that gold coin, that $20 gold coin, and uh, I just want that back. So the pastor wrote a note to him saying, just so you know, I just want to tell you that my prized possession is Jesus Christ, and here's how you can know you can have a relationship with him. Wrote the letter, put the $20 gold piece in the letter, sent it off to him, and a few months later, he gets a letter back from this man. He opens the letter, and inside the letter was this $20 gold piece, and he says, I'm giving you this $20 gold piece because nobody had ever explained to me in my entire life that Jesus, who Jesus was, and how he could be my most prized possession. And so I want you to know my wife and I got down on our knees and now Jesus is our most prized possession that we have. Have this $20 gold piece, you can have it. I don't need it anymore. I don't need those trinkets. And the pastor was just blown away. And what blows me away is that no one had ever spent the time to explain to this guy how Jesus could become that prized possession in his life. So I'm gonna ask you one more time. Is Jesus the most prized possession in your life? Or is it alcohol or drugs or women or men or money or houses or prestige or power? What is the most prized possession in your life? Because if it's not Jesus, if it's not Jesus, 
then gratitude will never flow out of your life the way it needs to. When Jesus becomes the most prized possession, gratitude is the natural response in every circumstance. Second thing, you've got to evaluate yourself honestly because we are great masters, we're good, we're great at deceiving ourselves and believing that that is true, giving lip service to God, but our life's living a different way. So what I wanna say to you is evaluate yourself honestly. God, help me with this. Show me the ways that I deceive myself. Open my heart so I can know the right way so that I can see myself clearly. Because you can't, because until you see yourself clearly, you can't really deal with the things that I'm asking you to deal with. Number three, develop the discipline of giving thanks to the Father through Jesus Christ every day. Develop, develop the discipline of giving thanks to God through Jesus Christ every single day. It is a discipline. So most of you drove here in a car, right? Anybody here walk? Maybe somebody did, I don't know. Most of you drove here in a car, right? You're gonna get in a warm car. You know, I even have an app on my phone that I can start my truck 10 minutes before I wanna get into it so it's nice and comfy for me when I get in my truck, right? And tonight when I go home, this afternoon when I go home, and when I go to bed tonight, I'm gonna sleep in a nice warm house. Heater's gonna work. And I'm gonna have steak for dinner tonight. That's what I'm gonna have for dinner because that's what my doctor prescribed for me. And my, I tell my wife that, I say, I'm sorry, my doctor told me I have to have this. <laughs> and so I have a pretty blessed life. I have a pretty blessed life. Yes, I got an illness that I've had for 16 months and I'm still struggling to find the end of that. And yes, I lost my son. But what I possess is Jesus Christ. And what I possess is a life that is honored by God and has blessed me all the days of my life. He has blessed me, blessed me beyond measure, more than I deserve. And yet I forget about those daily small things that he has just put in my lap that I enjoy, like clean water and food every day and an amazing wife and some great kids too. Every single day, develop the discipline of giving thanks to the Father through Jesus Christ for the things that God has done in your life because I don't want you to be caught in the cold if you have a loss like mine. I want you to have the tools, to have the kind of life that flows out of gratitude in any circumstance because you need God's presence. You need it beyond measure. You need it more than you know. I wanna end with one last story that kind of drives home everything that I'm saying here today. There was a man in the VA hospital and he had an illness that he had to be isolated for. He, can't, he couldn't see his family. His family couldn't come in. So he had to be in total isolation. So every day his family would show up in the parking lot and at the top, at the fifth floor of the VA hospital, he would wave at them, hey, you know, they wave back and, and um, they could talk on the phone a bit. Um, 
But one day he decided that because he was in isolation, he was going to make, he was going to make his son a wooden truck. Just, he had a lot of time, so he carved it out. But he couldn't deliver this gift personally to his son. So he had the nurse. He said, would you do me a favor? Could you take this truck and give it to my son? He wrapped it up. She said yes. Family was down in the parking lot. Nurse delivered it to the young man, the young boy, five years old. And he unwrapped it, and the dad could see this amazing smile, this, this moment of joy in this young boy's life. And then something happened that caused his heart to kind of stop. He turned to the nurse, and he gave her a big hug because he thought the nurse was the one who gave the gift. He's up on the fifth floor trying to get their attention. No, it was me. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that's how God feels when you take credit for your life. I'm wondering if that's how God feels when you don't give him thanks for the things and the gifts that God has given to you. I'm wondering if that's how he feels, like that father felt in that moment. Because God has given you gifts every day. He's given you talents and abilities and jobs and houses and cars and life and friends and food and the list goes on and on and on and on. And what he asks from us is something very simple. I want you to be grateful. I want you to live a life of gratitude for the things that I bless you with. And without it, I don't experience the presence of God like I could. I don't experience the power of God like I could. And so I'm begging you to hear me. I'm begging you to hear me. For you to face whatever it is that you've got to face in life. If gratitude isn't a discipline, then what will happen is you'll be lost and undone when tragedy comes your way. But if it's a part of your life, if gratitude is a part of your life in every way, that you've developed a discipline of gratitude in your life, that when the trials of this life happen, and surely they will, Jesus promised they would, in this world you'll have tribulation. When they come, when gratitude is part of your daily discipline, it'll be a shield about you. It'll be that one thing that guards your heart. It will be the very thing that allows you to f feel and experience the presence of God when life turns upside down, when gratitude is a discipline in your life. Make sense? Yep. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's your choice. I can't force you to be grateful. You've got to make that decision. 
that today when you walk out of here, that you're not going to have two tongues, one of complaining and one of gratitude. And by the way, when you catch yourself complaining, this is what you do. You stop right in the middle of it, whoever you're talking to, and say, I'm sorry, I'm complaining. Will you please forgive me? You do that two or three times and you'll stop complaining when you humble yourself before others and say, I'm, I'm sinning, sorry. So I'm going to ask you one last time, what are you going to do? We're going to sing one last song. Hey, guys, I'm going to give you a second chance at engaging with God in worship. And this is the basis of what I want you to hear me say. We have an amazing opportunity to sing a song through the eyes of gratitude. Through the eyes of gratitude. And I want to give you one last challenge. This is a game changer, friends. It's a game changer. This separates the mediocre, mediocre from the great. It does. The discipline of gratitude as I learn to sing and worship and praise and acknowledge God for the things that he has done for me. And so let's stand together and sing.
Yeah. 